Mesler, why do I do this to myself? Why? Why do you do it to yourself? Well, that's the name of the uh, playlist that I pick every single Nickelback album into. It's called <laughs> Why Do I Do This to Myself? And I dreaded it. I dreaded it the moment I hit play. That's all I got to yeah. say. That's yeah. Um, Okie doke. Yeah. How you doing, buddy? You've got a nice new look to you. Yeah, I'm good, pal. I shaved my head completely. Yeah. Completely shaved my head. It's all gone. It's it'll, it'll come back, you know. You got to do what you got to do when it comes to the world of rock and roll. Um, yeah, I just I just got sick of it and shaved it all off. It's not even a lockdown thing. I've done it, as you know, before. You were the first person to shave my head. Um, indeed, indeed. And there was various other body parts shaved at that on that fateful evening as well. But um, we won't talk about that. We won't no, and that. we won't That's talk about the much. fact that was that was sober as well. Yeah, yeah, that was sober. So. Yeah, we won't talk about that. Wow. That's what, ominous. What, what have been the uh, opinions of your new hairdo or, or not hairdo? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, no. It's been positive overall. Actually, people seem to think I look better. I think I look scarier. I think I look dangerous, hard as nails. Like you know, <laughs> but I am. By the way, anyone who doesn't know me, I am hard as nails. Solid. So don't don't mess with me because yeah. I'll write you a very strongly worded letter. Um. No. So yeah, it's been positive. I've had an okay sort of week. It's been all right. Can't complain. Doing what I can. Seeing what I can get away with. Nice. What about yourself, Martino? How's your week been, chum? My week's been pretty good, you know. Um, as it always seems to be, I always say it's pretty good. I had my second vaccination on, on Thursday. And I was dreading it in the sense that I knew how bad I felt the first time. The first time I had, after 12 hours of having the vaccine, I was like shaking, really, really hot, really, really cold, having like delusions and hallucinations, like and just felt so lethargic and my body felt so achy after the first one. Um, then I had it in my mind. I was like, Oh, but the second one has less of a dose, but apparently it's like more. So I was like, okay. Then there was all these blood clot, uh, stories coming out over 30 and all these things. And I was like, Oh, I have to be over 30 now. Don't I, uh, go in. And then the woman's like, um, Oh, there's a four in 1 million chance of blood clots. Are oh, you all right with that? I was just there like, go for it. You know what I mean? Go for it. Get it stuck in there. Get it stuck in there. So kind of is expecting the worst. I, I got myself up on paracetamol, like proof and all these things, and then went to sleep and I was fine. I just felt a lit I just felt a bit lethargic in my knees. Uh I walked to the shop and back, which is like about half hour each way. And I felt a bit knackered like I'd kind of walked all day in the sun. But that was really about it. A little bit of a headache. So it was like a good relief. I was like, oh, cool. And I, That's good know, to hear. Had all these songs to learn, had other admin things to do, and it was just nice that I wasn't as knackered. But um, yeah, can't complain. Always can't like complain. Mess. You always can't complain. No, you can't complain. You could complain, but no one's going to listen. So, well, hopefully, people are going to listen to this. People have been asking us, well, "Where's the podcast? Where's it been? Where's it gone?" You know, we're just rock stars, right? Nash. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I got shut lives up. to lead. Uh, Come on. Everyone wants a slice of mess, but you can't all have it at once, all right? So behave yourselves. Oh, always perks my day, eh? Listening to your 
Listen to your joke. They jokes. Listen to your little jokes nah, and quips. Yeah, yeah. Nah, they're jokes. Nah, I, lo- I love all the patrons. They're good lads. And anyone listening at home, at work, on the street, in space. I mean, it's it's uh, it's reach there. I've heard. So um, yeah, I love you all. You're all a big part of my life and heart. Oh, I'll never forget any of you. Uh, I might forget you if I ever become very rich. So mm. forgive me if that's the case. But yeah, yeah, yeah. when you've, you know, mo money, mo problems, you've got to sort your life out. You know what I'm saying? So can't help you there. Who's hot, who's not. And that's official lyrics. That's official lyrics. Official. So. Official. <laughs> I, got a, I got a comment from my good friend Sam Walton. He's Here an avid listener to the podcast. Um, this was in response to the drugs and alcohol one. Uh, I had said, what's wrong with a Kit Kat? You know, as opposed to, you know, crack and heroin. Even as a nice. vegan, I'm advocating just have a Kit Kat instead, right? Just and have he, a Kit Kat. Exactly. And he said, from the same person that ate half a ruler, don't think I'm forgetting that. And that was sober. Oh, no. So he's called me out. This is what I love about Warren. He, he, he tells you. He tells you and flags things up. So I was in primary school and I ate half a ruler. Can't tell you, you why. Ate... I, I was with my friend Nick Holton. He's now in Australia. And we both decided to eat half a ruler. Good thing, bad thing. I'm still here. Maybe you know, got some antibodies from it. Um, and that remind, reminded me of a time when I was in favourite chicken. Um, I love a little chicken place in Trowbridge, and um, I can't remember everyone that was there. But for some reason, everyone started putting stuff in my Coke, in my glass of Coke. So I had like these little hardball sweets. Then I had a jigsaw piece. And I had salt and all these things in the chip. I just ate them all. I just ate them all, Mez. So you had a dirty pint, basically. A dirty Coca-Cola, yeah. Do you know, if if I was... Also, I have a few points to this. Okay. A lovely little chicken place in Trowbridge, and you've never taken me. <laughs> That's point one, right? That's strike one. Strike two, I'd be kicking off. What are you putting in my bev? I'd be kicking off. What, what are you doing? Get your grubby mitts out of my beverage. Oh, well, it's the perils of wanting to be liked, eh? The oh, perils of wanting to be liked. Cut it out, son. And the thing is, that leads the perils of wanting to be liked feeds straight into the episode we're doing today. So this yeah, is it really new, does. It's going to be our new kind of, not even offshoot series, but just kind of a new kind of tangent we want to do. Uh, because it's where instead of looking at a reason why an album might not be very good, and defending it, we're going to look at artists. We might even look at genres. But I decided to choose a band that I've just always hated because I've always hated them. Because that's what society apparently dictates. Merit, I've gone in. It's Nickelback. It's Nickelback. It is nine albums spanning 21 years, 99 songs. I've listened to all of them. And we're going to go through today. We're going to talk about, you know, the history of them a little bit, my my kind of perception of them and this whole experiment. What have I learned from them? What they do well, what they do bad, what would make me a fan, what would I want them to be like if I wanted to continue being a fan? I'm going to make some points. You're going to argue against, for and against all these things because you like Nickelback way more than I like Nickelback. And I hate Nickelback. Uh, well, yeah, like's a strong word. A strong word. Um, I can't say I hate them, but like, they are not in my daily listening. I mean, 
anyone doesn't know Nickelback are they're a Canadian rock band they've sold over 50 million records they're one of the most successful acts from Canada you know very 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 big rock band even now they're selling out stadiums they've they're still popular I would say now um, they've got a big market big thing ahead of them um, you know they could sell 700 million records and the second someone goes Nickelback sucks it just holds so much weight you know yeah and how you remind me which is about 2001 2002 uh from the album silver side up that's the third record um i'll list their records in a minute um you know that came out i was probably in secondary school about 11 12 and they're just the butt of every joke you know i didn't like that song it was terrible and because I was then getting into Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and going like, well, this is just smells like teen spirit for people that don't know smells like teen spirit. So I don't want to, I want to hate them even more. And being yeah. a teenager, you want to be liked. So the second someone goes, I don't like them. You go, yeah, me too. I used to have wrestlers. I remember there's one time with my friend Turkey, he was like, Oh, essay. We're talking about essay Rios. who wasn't a huge WWF star, but um, he was like, Oh, I don't like him. And I was like, yeah, I don't like him too. And Turkey went, Oh, no, actually, I think I do. And I went, oh, I do too. Then I remember Turkey being like, you've just changed your mind there. What are you doing? Um, so, you know, the ability, the, the wanting to be liked. I think Nickelback, I think that's the main reason why people hate Nickelback so much. Knowing none of their stuff, they might know about three or four songs. is because everyone else says so. You don't want to be the person in the room that is, opinion is different than everybody else's. And you're try, trying to just be like, well, no, think about this. Think about that. Um, so that's what we're going to try and do today. I'm going to say all my cases, all my research. You're going to argue for me and get down to the ground. Should I list all their albums first? Go on, kid. List them all. Just very quickly. So they've got nine albums. They span from 1996 to 2017. Um, we've got Curb in 1996, The State in 1998, or 2000, if depending on where you're living. Silver Side Up, 2001. The Long Road, 2003. All the Right Reasons, 2005. Dark Horse, 2008. Here and Now 2011, No Fixed Address 2014, and the latest is Feed the Machine 2017. So every two or three years, they're pumping out an album. Like, very, very consistent. Very, very consistent. Um, take you down. So, yes, I went in and I listened to from the start all the way to the end. And I guess I've done my, my history of them. I've always not liked them at all. Never really engaged in any of their songs. Uh, I remember when Rockstar came out and it was just everywhere. And I was like, this is just terrible. This is just like such a parody of what I want a rock star to be. Why is he telling me? Why is he telling me what I should think about what a rock star should be doing when I don't think of him as a rock star at all? He's just a hack to me, you know? Um, and then you get photograph, you get the memes, you know? That just aids into that kind of funniness. Uh, I remember when Feed the Machine, the song came out, and I was like, hang on a minute, this is Nickelback. I listened to it, and I was like, you know what? This isn't too bad. This isn't too bad. And I want to say around that time, I remember saying to myself, right, I'm going to listen to all their singles. I just want to, let's just have a look. Let's just have a look. Because I was still quite vocal about hate them at that point. I don't think I got many singles in, I just kind of gave up, but... They definitely were a lot more pop than I thought they were on that initial list and probably four years ago. Um, but we will get there anyway. So I just got to think how to kind of, we want some kind of like criteria to meet, don't we, Mez? We want to kind of have some sort of structure to this. Um, 
So what was I expecting from this? I was expecting not to like any of it. Maybe one or two like riffs. I wasn't expecting to like any of the kind of lyrical themes. Um, in my mind, <coughs> I would be thinking that they're just so derivative that they just sound like every band that they, they're, they're influenced by. And uh, it would not change my opinion. It would further cement that I would not like Nickelback at all. Um, Mez, what's kind of been your history of Nickelback? When did you first hear him? And talk us through that kind of journey. So, our mags, my mum, loves Nickelback. So do my two sisters. So does my girlfriend. Most people in the family have an affinity with this band. They enjoy them. So, Nickelback were pretty prominent in my upbringing later on. Um, I've been aware of How You Remind Me for a long time. I enjoyed that song the minute it came out, and I still enjoy it now. It's a good tune. Um, On top of that, so All the Right Reasons was a thing in this house. Always played, always enjoyed. And Dark Horse, that's a big one. That was the sort of last album that everyone was obsessing over. Now, I've Never hated them. There has never been a point where I've gone, they are terrible. I've often thought they're a bit of a meme, um, which if I were in a band and I heard someone go, yeah, you lot are a bit of a meme, aren't you? I'd be, I'd be a bit like, no, no, why? Um, yeah, there's a lot of songs off Dark Horse I know well, and there's a lot of songs off Dark Horse that I enjoy. Even now, even listening back, I'm like, this is all right, you know. Um, but I've never, until the last sort of week or so, I've never delved. I've never gone into it. I didn't even know they released, like, two albums, three albums, before their, their like, notable songs started coming about, you know? Yeah. Um, I wasn't even aware of it. And that kind of, that kind of makes me a bit sad. Uh, side note. As I look at the album covers, I can honestly say that every single one of them is absolutely dreadful. (laughs) Um, Sack your marketing team and sack your graphic designer. They do not have a clue what they are doing. Um, They're awful. They're terrible. They're not appealing. You you know, when I first heard Iron Maiden, um, part of the reason why I was so into them was the imagery. Um... The album covers were amazing. They were in-depth. They were thought-provoking. Pro- uh, this is just, I don't know, it just looks very, it screams GCSE art. Um, <laughs> and I think you need to have a long think on that, boys, to be honest. But, yeah, so I've never disliked them. I've, I did enjoy points of this week. There were points where I was like, yeah, this is all right. I could get into this. Um, but on average, it just tended to be like, uh, okay. Uh, I think I said it to you earlier, all of this week, it's like I've been eating chips and now I want, I, I want some salt and vinegar with those chips. I want some paprika, you know, just dry chips. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, mate. It's maybe one, one condiment, maybe, maybe, maybe. I think that would, that would probably make me die of shock. Um, <laughs> Oh, everyone knows how much I love Queen. I was 
begging. My brain was going, please just put on Queen 2. Sheer heart attack, please just put it on. Um, because the lack of inspiration was driving me insane. <laughs> You've said you want me to argue for or against points or whatever. There's gonna, there, I don't think there's going to be much in terms of, <laughs> well, actually, Marv, what you have to remember is, Bloody 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 blah. I don't I don't know. We're gonna have to see. I don't want this to be one long slag fest of this is rubbish, this is crap, can't be bothered with this. Obviously we're gonna have to provide reasoning because our mantra on this show is always the same thing. It's art, it's expression. You can't necessarily just say it's crap. There has to be reasons. Yeah. Now, luckily for you fine listeners, oh boy, oh boy, do we have reasons. <laughs> oh boy, you're in for we a do. treat. Oh, we do, man. Also, also, oh. also, one more little little nugget. He's going on in. On Spotify, eh? You're going in. I love it. Oh, I'm going in, kid. On Spotify, we have all the right reasons, and immediately after, we have all the right reasons. Walmart exclusive edition. Oh no. Um, I didn't listen to that. Nor did I. No. I only just went for the straight normal albums yep. um, that were, I guess were originally on their releases and I left off the Walmart exclusive ones, to be honest with you. And I also left off the 15th anniversary expanded edition because after the week I've had, Marv, the last thing I want is more of it. <laughs> uh, and remasters, I mean, we'll get to that. Anyway, kid, you get into the meat and bones of it. Oh, I'll get into the meat and bones of it. So, my 12 pages of notes, and how, how oh, glad was no. I to make 12 pages of notes, all that nickelback, you know. It helped me out into my ending conclusion. But um, So, this isn't one of my main problems, but, like, I'm, gonna cu- I'm always going to come at this from a musicality point of view. Because we're musicians, um, a lot of my listening, maybe even now, has been is this exciting musically i'm a very huge chordy kind of guy songs that have interesting chords to them or chord progressions that are kind of enticing or interesting or take you places they always get me all the time always i am a sucker for a simple chord progression if it's used effectively if it's within the context of a great melody if it supports that that's something i had to learn a little bit uh, later on in life um you know i've definitely gone from my phase of like the complicated the more complicated the better so for me nickelback never even touched that and i would even say through all my listening they never even touched that i think a handful of songs maybe take you in a different direction like a non-diatonic way so for people who aren't musical nerds like us too that's chords in the key no chords that are not in the key of the song that they're playing. Um, so it kind of takes you into a different feeling, a different vibe. <clears throat> and something like the Betrayal Act 1, which is the last song on their final album so far, Feed the Machine, that has modulations. And I think that one is the most musically interesting out of their whole catalogue. And I had to wait 98 other songs before I got there. So, <laughs> so yes, that's where I get my nourishment from. And Nickelback don't provide that, you know? Um, so we're looking at Curb, their debut, right? So something like the verses in the song Pusher. What I like about this is that the verses start on a non-diatonic chord and it puts you in a kind of an unstable place 
So what happens is, is that when you get the resolution of the home key, which I think is the third chord afterwards, it's very, very satisfying. And I like that. It actually makes the song stand out um, from their debut album, which I would say is completely forgettable. Merit, I'm going to say it. Their first two albums, I think there's two songs, maybe three, and only in the case of the third one, because they re-recorded it for Silver Side Up. I think Leaders of Men and Pusher are the only two songs that I can actually remember being away from those albums um, with all the other ones. I think lyrics are just either incomprehensible at times, they don't either don't make sense, they're not memorable, and it's too much, too derived, too derivative of all the 90s grunge which he's influenced by for me to even garner them a listen. Merritt, what do you think about their first, even their first album if you want to, but first two in general? So I, I agree with you. Um, I will give you the rundown I have. As I said, I did not include all tracks. I did not write huge descriptions. It was just more of a, a couple of afterthoughts here and there. Uh, so yes, we have Curb, 1996. Relatively inoffensive, really standard South US rock despite them being from East Central Alberta, Canada. Now, that is funny to me. Um, you, like, There's a lot of country influence later on, a lot. Um, something else I, I find quite funny is... Um, yeah, sorry, I, I was going to say something else, but it left my brain. Um, <laughs> quite forgettable. I'm on track two, Pusher, and I've already forgotten track one, Little Friend. Mm-hmm. And that, that's absolutely true. I had completely forgotten about it. Um, uh, thank God I'm making a coffee or I'd be bored. <laughs> Intro of track three, Detangler, gives me a real Foo Fires vibe. Maybe it's just me. Uh, track four is the title track. If I had written this album, it wouldn't have been the title track. Uh, weird Middle Eastern sounding breakdown in the bridge. Why? Kind of fits, I guess. So there's this real thing with, like, uh, rock and metal in general, and it happens everywhere where it's like, okay, we've gotten the song this far, now what do we do to put a spin on it? Well, why don't we make that a minor second, and why don't we make that a major seventh? And that's just, that's what they do. Um, And it's kind of, oh, and a major third as well. That's a real... So what what sound does that kind of give? uh, Like I said, it's that. It's that Middle Eastern sort of, um, there's tension in between the notes and there's release. But the release isn't, uh, it's hard to explain. You, you kind of get what I'm on, don't you? I mean, I know you do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very, very, um, it, it is to be used sparsely. Because otherwise it's just going to be like, oh, here's another tune like that. Here's yeah. another tune like that, you know? Um and they, kind of and they don't need and they don't need any more of that. No, they already do. No, oh boy, no, especially <laughs> not on this album. Uh, track five, where is again forgettable, but in my opinion, more digestible than the previous four. Feel like I'll remember this one. FYI, I don't. Um, this should have been the title track. So obviously, I was more impressed with that song. Track six falls back on up tempo and unmemorable. Track seven, C Groove. And I just wrote nothing. Track eight, <laughs> yeah, genuinely. Wait, wait, you, you wrote the word nothing? No, I just, 
nothing. Oh, I just wrote track seven, C groove. Track eight, fly. That's that's what's here. Um, this bears an uncanny resemblance to Foo Fighters' Learn to Fly, but released three years earlier. Have mm. Foo Fighters ripped off Nickelback? And I'm not wrong, am I, Marv? It's there. It is in that song somewhere. I mean, you could also then make the, the argument that Tom Petty learning to fly. Yeah, very true. Um, very true. And then I believe that Pearl Jam also ripped that off. So I think I that think must be did. like a trope of... Yeah, I don't know. The second you talk about aviation, everyone plays the same stuff. Yeah, I think that might be a thing. But there's unlimited examples of this throughout music history anyway. Yeah. Um, track nine, just four. I hate the song titles on this album. Forgot track ten, left. In both listing and legit... In both... What am I saying? In both listening and... Come on, kid, you got I've, it. I, I don't know what that sentence means. I legitimately cannot remember it happening, as in track 10. Um, track 11, Window Shopper, boring. And then track 12, I don't have, which again, has nothing written for it. However, here's my, uh, here's my first little funny quip. So middle of the road and inoffensive, it's hilariously ironic they called the album Curb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, mate, I just, that's what I was going to say. When I was younger, I used to watch 24. You know, the with Kiefer Sutherland and and the first season has these like different bits where they're like doing something and there's this wholly unknown American rock band per, like song on the radio and it's never mentioned who it is. You can't find it in the credits. That is what this album is. It's just twelve tracks of that. Because you don't remember it, there's a point where your interest isn't peaked, but you're like Oh, that sounded... Oh, it's gone now. It, yeah. it, it, it is that. That is what this is. And I'm trying to be... I'm trying to be inoffensive with this. But that is what it is. I can't... I've got to call it what it is, unfortunately. You know, um, the second album, I've, uh, I've got less notes on. Yeah. Track one, Breathe. More refined already. Still not for me, but their sound is happening much more here, which is true. And the... The, there's not really much of a jump. It's not like mass. It's not like um, kill them all to ride the lightning. Like nowhere near. No way near. Um, but there is like a there is a change in there. Um, track two, cowboy hat, heavy phase on the drums before the bridge. God no. <laughs> um, more on phase later on. Uh, track three, leader of men. Now again, I've written nothing for that, but. Reading into their history, a PR man went to their gig, which was absolutely packed, and said, God, leader of men, what a tune. That's going to be a smash hit. But I can't remember it. So, uh, track four, old enough. God, I hate the guitar tones on this album. Short and forgettable. And then I got to track five, which was worthy to say, written nothing. And my second quip is the state, open bracket, of this guitar tone. Close bracket. <laughs> They just can't dial in guitar tones. In the late 90s, up until about... I, I, do you know what? I, I'm going to have to say here and now, or maybe so the one a, after that. So that's about 2011, Yes, going to say. I just... To my mind, the guitar tone, it's, it's a frequency. There's no character to it. Nothing. It's dead. And... This band have earned so much money. They've got four billion streams. 
as you've already introduced, they've sold, they've toured, they've done loads of stuff. Where, where's the money going? Because it ain't going on Guitar Tone. And I believe they had endorsement deals with Gibson. In fact, yes, they did. Chad Kroger had his own signature Les Paul. They were endorsed by PRS at one point. They played Fenders. These guys aren't playing crap gear. Like, they have Mesa Boogies. What's going on? I'm confused. They have they have gear that we drawl over, you know? Yeah. That we're just yeah, like, genuinely, you have yeah. anything you want. Now, for a, you know, a, a small band starting out, first two records, just wanting to write songs and play gigs. Yeah. I mean, they're raw. They're unpolished. It's definitely a band playing in a room. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it sounds is. like you know, not every single mic was switched on or available. Do you know what I mean? It kind of like a bit of sharing of the mics. The drums sound like real drums. They do. So, I will give you that. Weirdly, now I seem to be arguing for Nickelback. It should be the other way around. But <laughs> at least they sound like a band. They sound, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're mostly it's mostly played tight. Um, you can hear some songs aren't played to a click, which I think is actually quite refreshing. You can hear some speeding up and slowing down. Um, yeah. Is, a lot of it is like dynamically quite narrow throughout. Um, there's oh, no yeah. like, oh, yeah. there's no like really quiet bits to really loud bits. It doesn't really come through in the mixes. Um, but that kind of adds to the really forgettable flair of all the songs. I think if they're produced a lot, they had basically, if they had more money to make a really crisp, clean album, um, they'd be more memorable, but yeah, that then becomes third album onwards. That's what we yes. get. No, um, I yeah, I quite agree. But the, the thing is, um, I was impressed. I will say this. I am, And I, I continue to be impressed. Every single one of their albums, from the very start to the very end, is about 40 minutes. The longest album is Curb, which is 46 minutes. The rest of them are around 40 minutes. And as you said, they're consistently pumping these tunes out, which is making me think, and this hasn't been released, and I've read their backstory, so it's not the case. But this sort of thing happens from a, um, a manufactured group. But they aren't manufactured. They're not. They're, they're organic. They happened, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of um, impressive that they've done that, that they've they've they're still doing that. Um, they've gotten a bit lazy as of late because in 2019, Chad Kroger said, yeah, yeah, there's plans for another album, but there's no schedule and there's no rush. Um, so I think there, it's almost kind of like a, yeah, we made some money here, boys. Should we enjoy it for a bit and come back to it later? Which, to be fair, I would, at that point, I, I'd be in favor of that. I'd be like, yeah, I want to take a bit of a break. Folk could maybe look at something else. And then come back to it when I'm when the old when the last millions in the bank, you know. Ooh, I got to buy them Starbucks, you know. Oh, and those old, I, oh, those old buses full of old guitars, you know. I don't blame them. They've been a band for what twenty five years. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. in two thousand this this year, two thousand twenty one, they'll be a band for twenty five years. I think they've earned their crust. I think they've earned their reputation. Definitely. They've toured around the world many many times. Like. Fair enough. That's consistent output. Every every three to yeah. four years, two, three, four years, that, that is good. That is a good work ethic. I would never, that's the point in their favor. I'd never tell away from it. Their work ethic seems to be very, very good. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen them live. Oh, believe, okay. When I did believe, you see them? I believe it was where or when. 
where, when, the whole details. Give me the whole okay. schmuck. Um, it was, I believe it was 2009. So Dark Horse was out at this point. Mm. Uh, I believe it was 2009. Uh, we went to, not Wembley Stadium, but there's a smaller venue with Wembley in the name. I, can't, I can never remember it. I don't think it's there anymore. Um, do you know what? They can play their own songs live. You look at bands like Maroon 5, Coldplay, where I could definitely argue that they've that they've just turned into the Adam Levine band and the Chris Martin band. Yeah. Um, definitely with Coldplay at, at certain points. I don't know if they're starting to kind of dial this back now, but <clears throat> Nickelback had never, ever done that. I've never listened no. to a Nickelback song and thought, this is just Chad Kroger, Chad Krongen, Chad Splungeman. There, there are a few examples of the... Uh sort of genre bending if you like i mean we'll get on we'll get on to them ripping off maroon 5 almost verbatim you know (laughs) and all these things we'll get we'll get them as we'll get them as but i you know they're a rock band they've always been a rock band i think that really does play into their favor and the fact they're still popular and i would argue relevant in their scene today yeah definitely i'd argue that i would argue so yeah, just production-wise, I mean, it gets it gets good for me from two thousand one onwards, which is Silver Side Up, the third record, all the way up to Feed the Machine. Yeah, it might be a bit overproduced or overcompressed at points, but I think sounds, tones, drums, everything is just so slick and clean, and I like to hear that. So I definitely argue against you that their guitar tones didn't evolve. They only started to evolve or get good from what two thousand eleven. I think two thousand one Silver Side Up. I think the guitars sound great all the way through. Okay, okay. And I, and I think that second album to third album leap, like that's that's the good production quality we wanted to improve. It's not that I can't listen to it, but if I recorded an album and the guitar sounded like this, I'd be like, yeah, it's all right. But I wouldn't be like, yes, I like I wouldn't be sat in the amp in front of the amp for hours playing it, which is what I want to hear. Um, but I'm a guitarist. We're very stuck up and we're very arrogant and we're very, why have you not given me what I want? Um, so, I mean, you've, that's my perspective of it. Uh, Silver Side Up as an album, as, as the whole shebang, the production, the songs and everything, is, I mean, it's better without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. And again, I feel like it just goes into that in fact, I actually think it's there. I think their sound is there by that point. They're, they Agreed. know what they want to sound like. Um, they know what they are by this point. Um, it's just like, like I said, how you remind me. What a tune. That's great. That is great. More of that, please. Um, but I don't want to say that to Nickelback because I feel like I'll have how you remind me 12 times in different keys with different arrangements. Um in fact, I even <laughs> I even wrote this. Imagine modern Metallica, but ordered from Wish with all the inspiration taken out. Because um, <laughs> uh, other than how you remind me, I mean, there's there's other good songs on this. Uh, the tune "Too Bad." It's got a catchy chorus. Sounds good. Um, yeah. w- woke up this morning. I enjoyed it, but it it there's this like build throughout the song for a solo and it's building and it's building and it never happens and i'm like i'm not one of these guys that wants a guitar solo in every song but 
like if 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 it's building for one, give me a release. Um, and then they obviously have to call back with stealing things. So the song just for the whole intro is basically the rhythm of Smells Like Teen Spirit with different chords. Um, yeah, and and, and it they, and that was featured on their first record. Yeah, they re-recorded yeah. it. So yeah, only when I read that for research, I went. Oh, that was on their debut, and I went back and I went, "Yeah, oh, okay, this is why I maybe remember it now." Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Which um, which proves the point. The production kind of, yeah, not it, made the songs more forgettable. And then when you put them in a nice polished state, which again, it's not necessarily up to them. I think the no, lead guitarist, always. the lead guitarist, got a thirty grand loan for their second record. Good lord! So it made it, you know, that kind of helped. And then when you actually get record company budget behind you, of course. You know, it's not, they're not choosing to sound bad, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I'm not trying to... It, it's quite funny. I continuously say I'm not trying to drag them down, but I am dragging them down. <laughs> the, um, I mean, we've both been in bands where you're just starting out, you're talking about studio time and how much it's going to cost. And it's, it's a struggle when you first get into it. It's difficult um, because it's... Yeah, you 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 haven't got the money that Sony's got. You know, you haven't you don't know the producers or the engineers that EMI know or Roadrunner know. Um, and that's something else quite funny. They were on Roadrunner for a while. I don't know if they still are. Um, no, they they swapped. I think they went to BMG and now they're on that's EMI. Right. Yeah, might be something yeah. like that. So uh, Roadrunner signed them, and that was the first um, major popular signing roadrunner made wow they uh they specialize in metal bands lamb of god were on them for a while i think kill switch were on them and they might still be on them uh you know it's it's kind of i think even no they're no never mind um yeah so it's it's one of those it's like um nuclear blast have you ever heard of them never Meshuggah's that sounds that sounds like a oh, i was gonna say if it was a song but that sounds like a sort of really toxic kids suite that gets sold about 26p what toxic waste it, that's what it sounded like to me it was like here's some weird oh. really really bright bit of glob that yeah you just put in your mouth <laughs> yeah no that's so it's um yeah i'm not trying to rag on them i'm not constantly trying to please listeners believe me i do enjoy some nickelback um i just have so much more bad to say than good you know i'm 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 the same and again yeah I don't hate them anymore. I'm, I'm going to say that's, that's the little truth bomb at the end there, but we'll wait for all this. So, yes, the guitar-wise, um, the early work does, it's played well, but it doesn't really jump out at you. It gets lost in the mix sometimes. But I think from third album onwards, 2001 to 2017, they're punchy, they're chugging, they're crisp, uh, play through gear that, you know, we would I can't even just dream about having, you know. Um, but mostly kind of the, the way they're playing is mostly in drop D tuning. So people who don't play guitar, your guitar is set up in standard tuning where you do the normal chords. But if you lower the lowest string down to match the D string, uh, it means that you can play these things called power chords with one finger across all. So it kind of lends itself to kind of fast, um, chordy kind of riffs. Um, yeah, it gives it like a thicker sort of low as well. Um, there's a there's a lot more you can do with it, um, and it's it's just that sound. 
it's that modern rock metal sound. Definitely, definitely. So something like if you're playing like a single note riff, you could you could play it with three notes at a time as a chord and it just makes it sound beefier just from one instrument you know rather than to kind of like come up with two guitar parts that kind of beef it up um <clears throat> you know and they go quite low as well so like we got kind of get lower c and b the note c and b for like the first two records we get to about b flat um with this means war and then forget them up which is on all the right reasons um we get drop a so they go as low as drop a that's as low as i think they go even though I couldn't find confirmation that they've ever played in drop A, but that definitely is drop A for me. Um, drums, for, for me, the drum, the bass for me is so indistinct and just kind of there. There's never really any flashy bass parts. It's never a prominent thing in those songs. But the drums, they start off as normal, average Joe drums. And then we get to their later records, the last two or three, and... They're so processed. They're so sample replaced. They sound like cannons going off. They're so loud. And I think that's coupled with the kind of uh, <clears throat> metal production of now, rock production of now, because this is kind of a personal flaw for me is that I guess my metal and my hard rock is 90s. It's 80s and 90s. That's what I'm always listening to. So I'm used to things not played to a click, uh, little mistakes here and there, things that sound real and not gridded and not played on a, from a computer, you know. So I think it's more jarring to me and puts more of an impact into the reason why I might not like it. Now, you as yourself, being in a metal band as well that's current and listening to way more current metal music than I have, I think you're used to that sound more. Would you agree? Like more gridded, more sample replaced, the drums not being as organic sounding. Would you agree? Yeah. No. And yeah, absolutely. That's that is where I'm at, and that is probably why the guitar tones just aren't that satisfying to me at all. Because I've I've heard it. I've heard it all. You know, I've heard it all a million times before. Um, I am used to that gridded sort of sound, that sample sort of sound, but there is a way of doing it. Um, there is a way of doing it, and there is a way of making it work really, really well. The main selling point for Nickelback, and that's the reason why they sound like they do, is because of Trag Koga. I think that he is the sound of Nickelback. But like you're talking about the songs, this is going to bring me to my first point of um, problems I've actually encountered, things I've actually encountered. They have four types of songs that they saturate with each album. That, to me, is a very, very yeah. big thing about them. So, Oh, yeah. Um, let me look through my notes because for some reason I put them in a different place, but they basically have four types of musical form. They've got the grungy songs that have a riff from power chords and a chord progression for each section, especially the chorus. Um, they've got the heavy rock metal songs that basically consist of one downtuned riff all the way through. You've got the acoustic ballad and you've got the top 40 pop territory. To me, there's the four Nickelback songs that you're always going to get all the time. Um, and again, for some reason, it's got three different types of notes everywhere. But love that. Here we are. And got, got to love that. You know what I'm saying? So um, the heavy rock, the heavy rock, heavy rock metal riff based songs are like the most enjoyable for me. I think I prefer them over the grungy ones. I do. Um, yeah. But they're all, very, they're all very similar. They're like a construction. So you'll be low tuned. 
they'll always be bouncing off of the higher octave note um and there's always chugging so some examples are where do i hide hang now burn it to the ground next go round this means war feed the machine um albeit good quite good songs they all are pretty much low tuned chugging got an octave in there and some sort of like it's always kind of minor maybe a bluesy note here and there the flat five note it's always kind of the same thing um the grungy riff based songs stand out more on their own from that what i would deem their classic period 2001 to 2008 but they do certainly all meld into one another when you put them together yeah um, the top 40 pop stuff is so unapologetically ripping off other bands that it can just be discounted pretty much um, yeah i would argue that that really on their 2014 album uh, no fixed address that is their pop record they are going for pure pop with some metal stuff kind of not dampened down but it's not as much throughout but that is the most pop they ever go is 2014 and just give them to some other artists instead just give them away like i i, I don't want nickelback to sound that pop no you know you know yeah, i don't I know think exactly they should um and again we can get into she keeps me up oh um, <laughs> the song with uh flow rider which if i look back on my uh i think got me running round. miss you what are you waiting for to me they're that that's the poppiest they ever go and it's very strange to hear it's very strange to hear like yeah the way his vocals are kind of like in that like turntable scratched not scratched but like they slow down like a turntable and really really sampled drums synths yeah. pianos i just it's not a good look for them and i'm glad that that no. kind of stopped with um feed the machine even though feed the machine is an album i thought was going to be all metal and hard rock based off the title track but really that was a big red herring and it is actually quite filled with like poppy kind of songs so i see dark horse as their as as the like point of where down tuning really took hold and okay. where there are riffs and <clears throat> yeah etc etc but they have a tune on there called This Afternoon. Are you aware of this song, Marv? I'm aware of This Afternoon. It is... I always say I never believe in guilty pleasures, and I don't. This Afternoon is my guilty pleasure. It's just a nifty little tune about how they're going to get drunk and, and, and party till six in the morning. And, Marv, God help me, I'm going to say this. I love it. Uh, I've said it, mate. I can't, there's no going uh, back. The, so only anybody... the only response to that is, uh, thank you. So, <laughs> wow's a Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyone who wants to apply for the podcast, I'm handing my notice in. I have, um, well, you don't have to because you quit. You're, you're fired. I've chucked you out. No, but I quit. But I quit. Ah, but I, but I fired you before you quit. Nah, so. but I, I, I said yeah. it before you. Nah, 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 nah. Wow. This afternoon, right, I just view as on their album before, all the right reasons where they had Rockstar at the end, which we're going to get to. Yeah. Why do you put your biggest <laughs> song at the end? They've just gone, that works. Let's make it a little bit more country. Yeah. Instead of talking about Rockstar, let's actually put it to the, the demographic of people that listen to us yeah. and get them involved. To me, that all they've done is just ripped off their own song. Which, I mean, that's kind of the best person to rip off, isn't it, really? Yourself? I guess, I guess. You're not going to sue yourself. Um, 
it's just it's just easy to listen to. It's very 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 plain, very easy, um, and that's my defence. That's all fair, I got. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, we'll talk about it a little bit more, but the fourth musical mode that Nickelback have is acoustic ballads. Yes. And oh my lord! So before I, you know, did this experiment, I just thought, right, they do "How You Remind Me" songs. They do the ballads like "Someday" yeah. um, or "Photograph," and then they've done like a heavy metal song called "Feed the Machine" or like a very heavy song. Yeah. Um, so. The ballads actually start in 2003, their fourth album, and Someday is their first acoustic ballad, which for a first acoustic ballad song, you've hit the nail on the head pretty good there. That yeah. was a huge song. I mean, it's exactly the same as How You Remind Me, but look, is, at, yeah. um, look at I Want You Back and then ABC by the Jacksons. Yeah, there you go. It's the same song. That's the tried and, tried and tested method. Fair enough. Um, so basically by seeing the success that that got, they've basically gone, you know, let's make this half of our sound from now on. Let's really like lean into this a lot. Um, so it definitely fits in the hands of the casual ni- listener of Nickelback and know them from like radio and playlists, you know, um, should have listened, gives us a bad, closer to kind of the heavy rock sound. Uh, then we get photographs, which is one of the best memes, no doubt. Love it as a meme. I love that song as a meme. But when it came out, I just heard it and it made my mind up. I was like, I do not like Nickelback. Please go away from me. <laughs> Never come back here around again. That song sucks. But again, another huge radio hit. Another confirmation. That it's like, we're doing right, guys. Let's keep them coming. Let's keep them coming. But this started to become them. It started to become the devil they didn't want around. Saving Me changes the ballad formula a little bit by having like a down-tuned, grungy acoustic riff. Um, but then we get Boris from there and hit songs. The the from the bottom of every bottle kind of phrasing from uh, yeah. the chorus of How You Remind Me. We yeah. get that in this song. Uh, we get one of the longest guitar solos in Nickelback's discography here as well, which is another yes. talking point. Um, and then straight after Saving Me, we get Far Away, which is the most ballady ballad the Ballad Kings have ever balladed at that point. And this is now the first time they've ever done the one five six four bloody progression, which oh my god, it's now everywhere. So yeah, you hear that a lot. You start to hit us a lot from this point on, from far away. So for people that do not know music theory and all the like, the one five six four progression is a set of chord changes. You can play in any key. Um, that is the most used chord progression in popular music. I know it from Let It Be by the Beatles. That is my reference point for that um, chord progression. And it is probably in, you look at any of the bands you listen to, probably probably one song out of their whole discography will probably be a 1564 or some sort of variant or substitute, you know? Um, doesn't mean that it's a bad thing because it's a stock progression that you can just chuck in or work. Um, there has to be a good melody on top. But Nickelback definitely did this and they went, oh, I'm sick of kind of, oh, I can't, I'm sick of putting thought into my chords. You know, we did have three or four chords. We had a five chord song once. That was good. Yeah. But like, let's just write every single song as a one, five, six, four. And I'm going to list them to you. And that is exactly what has happened. And there you go. Um, but we do get a bloody key change at the end. 
far yeah. away. So yes. even on their first 1564 song, they've gone all in. They've got the ballad here, how to write a ballad book. They have ripped it apart. They have gone in. So at least I'll give them props for that. Um, oh, just... No, I agree. I agree. And to be fair, if if I was in a band like Nickelback, we wrote a song and it was like, ah, it's all right. And it released it, sold millions. Everyone's kicking off. People are getting James Merritt band tattoos. People, are, <laughs> There are T-shirts with my head on them everywhere. I'm going to go, that went well, lads. Should we uh, do that again? Nah, I can't be bothered. Oh, really? Get the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm playing 1564 for days, mate. Honestly. Seriously. And do you know oh. what? I respect them for that as well, because it's blatant. It's blatant. They've gone, this has gone well. Let's do it again. You know, if I turn up to work on Friday morning and... I give my boss a cupcake and my boss goes, oh, thank you so much, James. And then I get a pay rise. What am I doing every Friday, Marv? You're getting that cupcake. I'm getting a cupcake, son. So do you know what? Yeah, fair play, whatever, do what you want. Can't argue with it. Can't argue with it. I mean, you can't argue. You can't argue with it, but it's definitely going to make me not listen to them. Yeah. It's definitely (laughs) not going to do that because especially someone who's a cordy and then i've got to hear that and then you start hearing the course you're like oh it's going to be another one of these yeah over yeah. time you're just like there's just no point because what happens is it's such especially with the acoustic ballads i think this is the, the, the biggest problem is that they get saturated to a point so fine that you just expect them you don't remember yeah. them no. and then you just and then you're just like well all we've got is photograph and that's the meme so that's why they become the meme band so let's have a look at our timeline we got If Everyone Cared, that's our first piano ballad riff and feature, which it's kind of in the middle of ballad and rock, and they don't really use piano a lot. No. handful of instances, I would say. Um, these last four songs are all on the same album, so they've really decided to push this side of them. Um, I, I'd Come For You from 2008's Dark Horse is everything we have heard from the previous ballads. doesn't add anything yep. new. Um, you know, tambourine, those open-sounding acoustic guitars, like all the all the open high notes ringing out, the vocal harmonies, you know, they're all there. Never gonna be alone is the one five six four trimming with all the trimmings. But we've half the amount of ballads here on two that in two thousand eight. Uh, 2011's here and now we've got lullaby uh, that pushes you into the top forty kind of pop sound. Not as not as blatant as uh, say two thousand fourteen. If everyone cared, same thing. Keep it with the times. Trying not to love you. Yet another one five six four ballad that you can already hear how it sounds like listening to it. For me, it sounds like an Americanized. I know they're from Canada, but an Americanized "Stop Crying Your Heart Out" in places. Yeah, thank you. That's what it got for me. Don't ever ever let it end. Sneaks another chord into the one five six four progressions. So they're like, we'll be a little bit cheeky and put some thought, but you just can't take away from it. I don't care if you put a little bit of a chord before the fourth chord. It's just going to sound like that. Um, then we get to 2014's No Fix the Dress, their pop album. Satellite, you've guessed it. 1564. There it Harmonies. is. Lyrics are wanting to be with that someone special in that special moment. It's begging to be put into like a reality show or like Gossip Girl. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that yeah. moment. Miss you. You've guessed it, Merritt. What do you reckon? Uh, 251? Yeah, 
Yeah, you're right. One, five, six, four. Oh, Harmonies. Okay. Lyrics are want to be without someone special in a special moment. But on this one, we're missing them. So, ah, you thought it was because he was with them. Nah, he's missing them, all right? Don't get it twisted, boy. That cheeky bugger, eh? <clears throat> so even though he'd been given the exact same song twice on the same album, Nickelback at this point are only give us two of the same thing to choose from, really. So they've condensed it down. Yeah. Um, 2017's Feed the Machine. Song on fire, right? You've guessed it. One, I just, I'm not even mad at this point. I am just disappointed at the lack of originality here. Okay. Yeah. I don't mind you've got a formula that works. But like every album and just the same thing and the same topic and the same theme. And it's just, oh, after the rain, a mere two songs later, playing the same progression. But wait, what do I hear, Merritt? There's I hear more. a non-diatonic chord. Oh, I've never wanted to hear D major played in the key of B major as so much as I do now. It, it was so refreshing. I was like, well done, Chad. You've done it, mate. You've done it. You showed to all of us that you can actually make your songs 20 times. No, 74.8% more interesting and unique by chucking in one chord. I'm just like, just have a think Wait. about that. Maybe that's what he's doing. Maybe it's a case of if I write 99 songs or however many ballads that are so similar, people are going to be clawing at their ears. When I, maybe he's a secret music theory nerd like us. He's like, what I'm going to do, I'm going to release some that's going to blow them apart. <laughs> and he releases the most incredible chord progression coupled with original lyrics that aren't about drinking, having sex, him beating someone up. And with like fourth harmonies with a nice disparaging guitar solo with real sounding drums with a bass line that has function rather than just frequency. And then he's going to be a billionaire. And how are we going to stop him then? I think them trying to keep up with trends, I think is okay. I think is okay because you look at their album, especially, especially Feed the Machine, where, okay, it's disjointed to me. Hearing like loud, heavy metal sounding songs to then like acoustic ballads that are essentially top 40 songs is a bit weird. And I guess when I go to, to listen to my metal bands, they don't do that. Um, and if I go listen to Top 40, then they haven't got metal tunes on their on their records. So that to me is hard to get used to. But when I kind of calm down with that fact, fair enough. Write a 1564. Be a rock band. Don't go Maroon 5 and go so, you know, the Adam Levine project. They're still Nickelback. I don't mind it. And you can definitely see in the last two albums that I think there's one or two ballads, if that, you know. Um, so... I think that's fine. I would say continue doing that, but just maybe just try something different. You know, they do have other variations on the, on the chords. If we're going to look at kind of the, uh, the chords again, I'll look at my notes, but yeah, I mean, we're looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight out of 99 songs. Nine of them are one, five, six, four progressions. So it's, it's a 10th, 10% of their output is one, five, six, four, which, okay, fair enough. But, it just feels way, way more. I think because they packed it, they packed so many 
onto one album. They just kind of saturated. Yeah. But I think they've all, they can top that. They're never going to top their 1564 song. They've already done that. Um, we also hear plenty of variations of uh, the one minor to three to flat seven to four or one minor to three to six to four. Uh, either with like a major or minor four chord and it's mostly in B minor. So when they're playing in like B minor, the chord progression will be B minor to D to G major to E minor. Or it will be B minor to D to A to E major. It's always that some variant and you'll see that a yeah. lot in, in, in their songs. Um, and like I said, the hard rock metal sounding songs, one riff throughout. I actually think what they've done here is very clever because they've released the song gone that's done well written another one that's i mean me and you wouldn't call it different in any way shape or form but it sounds different to the average individual so they're going to consume it more and more and they've it they've got a process you can hear the process coming through so at this point it is just a working band trying to earn money now all of this all of these songs absolutely stink to high heaven of one person writing them. Yeah. I want to hear what happens when you let your lead guitarist take the driving seat. I want to hear what happens. Because it's clear to me, as much as we've already established it's not the, the Chad Krongen show, <laughs> it's clear to me that he has a lot of input a lot of input the most input of anyone um, he's the main songwriter you know yeah exactly so i'd be interested to hear an album where he takes a step back because the lyrics are consistently similar all the time um and do you know what i even find them cringy at points well we can get um, on to that we can get on to that yeah. right now if you want oh, to so can do can do me boy my 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 second reason, the lyrics, mostly safe and inoffensive throughout. The first uh -huh. two albums don't really say anything meaningful. You know, I can I tried to I skimmed through some of the lyrics on their, their first two albums and they're just they're just words that kind of fit the melody and kind of obscure kind of tangents of stories that yeah. could mean anything really, you know. Um but like the template of the songs, I think Chad has six main themes of lyricism. Now, add more if you want to. I've got sex, partying slash drinking, love, recounting stories of other people, nonsense, and rocking out. Yeah, you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. That is, that is I think, is the breadth of their songs, is that. Um, we don't really get too sexual in the beginning. Um, no. I would say even the first three albums... It's mainly like innuendos or metaphors or kind of like slight descriptions of stuff, but like maybe the things before the act, you know what I mean? Um, he's not actually graphically talking about it. But then when you kind of have a song that is titled Sex, S-E-X, yeah, he's kind of gone all in there. He's kind of just gone, I'm just going to go full yeah. pelt into it. And I don't want to hear it. I no. do not want to hear it from Nickelback. Thank you. Goodbye. Amen. That is uh, That is the issue I have with it. The first time I mentioned this in my notes was The Long Road, um, which is Figured You Out Now. Oh, yeah. This is offensive. I am offended by this song, not in terms of take it down, 
I just just turn it off. I don't want to hear it. The intro is relatively quiet instrumentally. I think I from memory, haha. From memory, I think I can remember it having like a slight instrumental thing, then a stop, then there's like a a, a pad, I think, or something like something to that effect. Yeah. And Chad Kroger just goes, "I like the pants around your feet." So that's a that's a thank you. Yeah, that's good. You know, what I'd say to him, "I'm trying to take a dump, mate." That's Get what I'd here. say. Yeah. What Get are you out doing here? Get out of your little Chad Krong night. It's it's so try hard. It's to the point where it's cringy. Yeah, it's posery. Uh, You've nailed that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Um, there's uh, a tune that I used to really enjoy off a of dark horse called Animals. No, it's not off Dark Horse. Uh, complete he's ruined pies that. There. He's ruined that. It's off of all the right reasons, son. It is. It Look is. Look at me off. being a Nickelback historian. I've been done up like a kipper there. <laughs> um, the whole song, the whole song is about how he picks up this girl who sneaks out. They drive off and then they start doing things in 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 his car um it, it it's it's obviously trying to paint a picture and i do not want to see the picture um and it's like at one point her dad like apparently is outside the car and oh no the keys are on the floor the keys of the car and then i had to explain to her dad it, i i was kissing her mouth come on mate oh. like, you can't be serious. And then something in your mouth Ugh. from from Dark Horse. Something in your mouth. The title alone. But it's just, like I said, it's try hard to the point of cringy. It is, it is so offensive that it is now inoffensive. It is like you've given Mez a book and a pen at age 14 and gone right down about sex. It's just come on, mate. And but I want to hit. I want to read that book versus no, you Chad, don't. Chad Kroger's one. No, sure, I don't. No, you don't. No, oh, absolutely okay. not. Okay. It will not be on Patreon. It will not be on Spotify. <laughs> it will be no. Right, no the book. Right, the book. Vote <laughs> uh, now, ladies and gentlemen, on our Patreon. No, <laughs> let's um, do it. So, yeah, and that is why I think we are laid at the feet of their demographic because the lyrics are naughty oh it's naughty <laughs> but it's it's not like drips is it you know no it's I mean? not like drips it's not no. like yeah i get you it, it it's explicit to a point but it's never explicit no exactly and that is why i've said it's so offensive it's now inoffensive because it's he's he's been descriptive up to a point but there's nothing uh, there's nothing obvious about it because if, and that is why I think we have the army of middle-aged men and women turning up to their gigs, enjoying every word. In fact, if you've ever seen the video for Rockstar, right at the end, it's an excerpt from a live gig at the last moment of the song. And the whole front row, the whole front row is middle-aged women, all of them. And that's, that's what I think. I think it's because it's it's rock. Oh yes, I love rock. <laughs> and it's 
lyrics that could be deemed as, oh, that's a bit naughty, isn't it, Chad? Oh, you naughty boy. <laughs> but enjoying it secretly. That is why I think we have the demographic we have. But you know what? Who cares about Mez? A bald-headed little sod in his front bedroom in Bristol talking about it when they're storming off becoming millionaires. But no, that is... I don't think this music will stand the test of time. I don't think in 30 years, when the Grammys open up, they're not going to go, they're not going to like see me and my band getting, you know, ushered down the aisle. So oh, you've won them all again, for God's sake, third year in a row. And no one's going to go, we haven't seen the like of a bands like this since Nickelback. And everyone sheds a tear because Nickelback was so legendary and revolutionary in their lyricism, in their songwriting. Yeah, the lyrics suck. Stop it. It's horrible. I. That was one of the main things. And you've got to remember, the guy who's singing this is as white as they can get. He's Canadian, and he's he's got to be in his 50s now, surely. Uh, I think he is late 40s. So okay. he was about... He was about 19 to 22 when they wrote and recorded their first record. So yeah. he was 22 in 1996. I think he was born 74. So the long-winded way of, he's 47 now, Mez. Okay. So that's what I mean. Like, when you when you look at today's society and the way everything is, the way the directions were going in and everything, it just doesn't sit right with me. It's not as bad as Hey Little Tomboy by the Beach Boys, but it's it's of that ilk, you know? It's of that ilk yeah. of, here is a lot of things I like to do sexually, and I didn't, I didn't ask for it. But obviously there are people out there who are asking for it. So don't come down to Bristol. I'm not going to have a coffee with you. You're not going to be called Silly Gooses because you don't care, and <laughs> neither do I. <laughs> They're, it's almost like they're the equivalent of um, learn these three rock licks that will make you rock legends. In this Literally. video, I'm going to show you this, and they just it's the whole video is talking about how they might show you stuff. Um, again, Led Zeppelin, sexually explicit lyrics. But why am I not listening to Robert Plant going, oh, I don't want to hear this. Why? Why am I not doing that, Marv? I don't know, and I think this brings up a good point. ACDC as well. All yeah, of these things yeah, yeah. about objectifying women, viewing them as sexual objects, but we get to Nickelback and it's somehow a big problem. You know, for me, Chad's either, he's either putting them down as dirty women or he's confessing his love to the ones worth fighting for. So they're either great or they're terrible. Like that's the two modes of what he thinks women are. But is it because ACDC and Led Zeppelin innovated the music you know innovated the genres that they they were in and did so much and was so legendary and have that status to them that you discount that do you think well that's not a problem that's just how it is get over it if you don't want to listen to it don't bother listening to it but then is it because the music of nickelback isn't to your liking it doesn't nourish you it doesn't want you to come back for more that it's easier to point that out and use that as an excuse of well that's why they're bad then that's why i don't listen to them you know how do you how do you argue that point yeah, it's a very good point. Absolutely. I, I don't think Nickelback have pioneered anything, really, other than shamelessly rewriting 1.64 nine times. But, again, if they're doing it shamelessly and they're ripping off themselves, who who's really the uh, the victim of this crime other than P. 
people like you and me. But to be honest with you, still not. Because we went into this and we knew what we were getting into. Um, I think it's almost like it's indifference with me. I can exist in the same universe as Nickelback, and that is fine. Yeah. But I am. Um, I I'm not going to sit here going, they're my favorite band. They're the number one band in the world, because they ain't. You know, that's it's just a fact. Unfortunately, they're very very popular, and I understand why. But um, yeah, it's yeah. You're absolutely right. Due to the fact that Led Zeppelin and ACDC, all these bands, they they did. They pioneered the genre. They made it a thing. Um, and they're, they're, they're benchmarks. They're staples of listening if you're going to get into that sort of thing. But because Nickelback have come along 20, 30 years later, 40 years later with some of the songs, um, it's just not going to take to... I'm not going to take to it as well as someone who just doesn't really have that much of a dedicated opinion on music an average individual who just listens to music to enjoy it. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's where where it meets, you know? You can find a reason not to listen to it, latch on to it, you know? Um, <clears throat> and I guess it's your morals and values, which we will definitely do on another episode of, you know, where your morals and values kind of sit and if there's any cognitive dissonance there, you know? Um, so, yeah. I think next contestant, which I believe is off of Dark Horse. Yeah, it is. You're right. To me, that's quite a low point. Now, obviously, we yeah. have to preface this with, like, we can't just assume that these are all based on, on Chad's real-life accounts. He could just be making up stories. And maybe that's better somewhat. Definitely doesn't put them in a good light, though. And you definitely have to know that you've got people who listen to all of your stuff all the time, on repeat, younger kids, um, because their parents are fans of Nickelback, and then they're going to listen to these songs. So there is, you know, we've had songs that have caused people, you know, that's the reason why they've gone out and murdered people and done horrific crimes. So I guess there's that element too, but this is another episode for another week. But next contestant is basically a story about a very controlling and paranoid boyfriend he makes it very clear that if anyone so much as looks at his girlfriend who works in a bar, that he's going to beat them up. He's even paranoid about the women at the bar his girlfriend works at. And he hates what his girlfriend is wearing. So because everyone is staring, you know, wearing, staring, that's a good line. Put that together, Chad. Or um, the, There you go. The character in this is basically like, who's the next contestant in the Chad Kroger Battle of the Alpha Males beatdown? He's there like, on. You're gonna limp, mate. You're gonna. I'm gonna beat up so much. You're gonna. You're, you're gonna limp out of this place, yeah. And that's how you remind me of stuff. Give me a photograph of you. <laughs> I've just realised what I want to do now. What's that? I want to fight Chad Kroger. <laughs> Bring him down to Bristol, then. I want to fight him. I want to see how hard he is. I want to see if it reciprocates with his music. I'm going to go to a bar and, like, hire his wife. Yeah. And I'm going to be a little nasty, skeevy little perv. And I'm going to fight him. I want to fight him. Every patron we have, anyone listening to this all over the world, people outside my bedroom window, I'm going to fight him. Put the word about, Mez is coming. 
And then what you need to do, then what you need to do is, once you have beat him down, get your guitar and then play that bit. <laughs> there comes the next good test. Dun, dun, dun. Play it in his face and then just drop it and leave. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and that is, I, I think I should do that. And then I should release, re- write, record and release um, just a little song about him. Chad Kroger was the next contestant. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I could do that. I can see that <laughs> happening. Chad, if you're listening, you best limber up, kiddo. Because Mez is going to down 10 points of doom. He's oh, going to no. eat a big old feed up. <laughs> and then he's coming to Alberta, Canada to hand you your ass. <laughs> you're going to be so hungover. <laughs> oh, mate. It's going to be right. Jet lag. <laughs> 10 <laughs> points. Big old feed up. Oh, boy. I am not going to smell fresh. <laughs> if, anyone wants to, uh, if anyone wants to uh, fund this we could do a patreon thing so shameless plug www.patreon.com forward slash 50 ways podcast that is five zero ways podcast facebook twitter instagram all that stuff just give us all your money so america can go over to canada safely and start a fight on chad kroger you know we'll organize it we'll get sorted i'd enjoy that i do you know i think there's enough sort of point of contention about this band I think this could get off the ground and we could have support from millions of people. Yeah, that's that's a scary thing. That is it a is, scary isn't thing it? That and and the thing doable. is, I'm I'm not a fighter at all. I'm not a hard man. But something about that song tells me I could kick Chad Kroger's ass. <laughs> something in that song where he's insecure enough to beat up men who are hitting on his girlfriend, something tells me that I could punch him to death. I mean, maybe not to death. I, not to death. Nah, just a little bit, little bit. Just a, just a little ass okay. handing. Then I'll go home. I'll, well, I say home. I'll go to the hotel, sleep it off. Wake up the next day, ring him up like, "All right, Chad, what's on the boys?" Anyway, round two, mate. <laughs> and when he says no, he has to sign the rights of the next contestant over to me, and he has to take it off Spotify. I put it on my own account. And I take all the rights, and he has to work out every penny he's ever earned from that song and give it to me. Because I'm clearly not the next contestant. I've just beat you down, son. But then what happens there is, is that then you're invite through through proxy with the song. You're then inviting people to beat you up and have fights with you because you're like, who's the next contestant? See, merit violence never the answer. You just it's a vicious cycle. We could we could do that though. The Nickelback Championship wrestling. Association. <laughs> Whoever can beat up Chad Krongen the worst gets the rights to the song, and then it goes <laughs> up and up, and eventually he makes a comeback because it comes back all buff and like. Yeah, I bet we've we've written a storyline for WWE here. What's going on? I I I he should have been there, shouldn't he? He should have been Re- in WWF. Yeah. That would absolutely, great. yeah. And then he could come out to the next contestant, couldn't he? And that's another thing that I just remember, just thought of a lot of their songs especially like next contestant, they sound like wrestling yeah. entrance music, don't they? Yeah, oh, I, mate. It's, it's almost perfectly to it. Um, so, yes, I would say that we can't say this is all autobiographical and all about him, but, yes, the lyrics are very trite. I don't think they're the strongest point. His vocals, I would say, are the strongest point, but contrastly, lyrics are not. Yes. Um, 
We get the song Must Be Nice, which is basically nursery rhymes with little twists. And it's pretty dreadful, to be honest with you, if I was to be negative. Um, but I think the lyrics, at least to give their credit, they become more coherent. They got a, they've got a better form and structure from 2001 onwards, which is, you know, the phrase of this podcast. But they never really seem to progress further than the examples we've talked about. You know, they've never really broken that. They've Feed the Machine was somewhat political, but in the sense that you're at home saying we should definitely do something about politics. That's the vibe I get. So I think I'm on it. Uh, number three reasons, you know, problems have I encountered. They fall into a gateway band and you listen to their influences more. So, you know, you've listened to Fly from their first album in front of your friend. And there's a strong chance that they're going to go, that sounds like On a Plane by Nirvana. So you listen to On a Plane by Nirvana and you go, that's pretty similar. I thought Nirvana were just, you know, the Teen Spirit song. You cut to a few weeks later, you've forgotten that Nickelback tune entirely. Yeah. And you've gone through Nevermind. You've realized how amazing it is. Your brain has exploded. You're in, in utero. It's penetrating your mind. You're just there in just complete ecstatic belief. Like you're just like, oh, this is so great. Um, and I think that's what happens because really all that they are, a Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, and Nirvana put together, um, they do then eventually, I would say, modernize that sound. But if you go all the way back to basics and what they are, it's those three bands out of the big four of grunge. You know, another one, you know, oh, is that an unreleased Pearl Jam song from the 90s you're listening to, Mez? And you're like, nah, it's I Don't Have by Nickelback. And you're like, but that's Eddie Vedder singing though, right? And you're like, nah, it's Chad Kroger. And then you're like, oh, okay, you listen to much Pearl Jam. And it's like, nah, that Even Flow song's good. That Alive one's good, you know? They all right? And I go, here's the first three Pearl Jam albums. And you go, oh i get it now about nickelback oh okay um can you not tell anyone that i listen to nickelback see you, okay see you later mate yeah good that's what i think happens but again let's look into it more analytical they started off as a cover band called village idiot they're playing these songs and then eventually like we've seen a lot of the times people who start in cover bands there's that weird crossover period where you start writing your own stuff and you know it's going to sound very similar to what you're playing every week, twice a week, four times a week. You know, give give them a break. Their first two records, you know, like that's hard. And like I said, he was he was the earliest was about 1993. So he's 19 when he's writing some of these songs off the first record to about 22. I think about some of the songs I was writing in 19 to 22, and they're mostly guitar and piano noodles, fragments of songs, no lyrics at all, no melodies at all. Uh, I think I had a few complete rock songs musically, but I had many that never repeated sections. They just continued on aimlessly, changing key, changing tonality. Nothing that I could release and go, right, let's let's just write songs. Let's get a band. Let's tour. Let's just get on the road. Go for it. They had that. But I have to respect that. And I yeah. do respect that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there are definitely many myriad of other bands that sound like uh, artists they're influenced by. I think that's just part and parcel. But I think that's also a type of generation where you could make a first record and it not sell great, great and not be critically uh, well-received, but you could build on that. They've definitely done that. They've built themselves up to a point where they they have the Nickelback sound or they sound of Nickelback and they can go off and 
you know, they've made a lot of money and, you know, done well for themselves. So I got to respect the fact of that, you know, when we get to their golden period, 2001, 2008, they've got a sound and style, but still derivative of those bands. And then you kind of got the modern bands. I would say that you can hear Puddle of Mud. You can hear Papa Roach. You can kind of maybe hear Lincoln Park. I would say Lincoln Park in the fact that the guitar player Lincoln Park is stock, but works for the song. It's not the main feature. It's Nickelback that, yeah. to me have that. Nickelback to me, their guitars are like that. They work for the song. They're not necessarily the main feature. Even even when you hear the riffs, like look at the riff to Animals. To me, it's it's nothing exciting. It's just gone. That's a good verse part. Let's just have that at the start. That works. Um, but I think their actual style and sound are these four songs. And after listening to all of them, this is them in a nutshell. How you remind me, Rockstar, Someday, Photograph. That is Nickelback to me. Yeah, you've got it. You've got it. Yep. Yep. Um, but then what happens is, is that Nickelback slowly gets put into the background and they only get remembered more for the ballads and the memes. That's, that's really what kind of happens because they're just so derivative. Um, reason number four. This is a this is a great one, but I'm actually going to put. I'm going to do this. The, yeah, this one. They can end an album very well. No, they really, really can. They can they can st- kick off an album really well. They can get a nice stomping barn burner like metal rock song, heavy one. You're engaged from the start. Definitely. I think that's almost across the board. First two records, kind of, but like not in the sense from 2001 onwards, third album onwards. But it seems to be the last three songs, three or four songs, they just kind of just go, oh, just, who's that? Oh, it's your brother. Can you can he just pick the songs? We're bored. I just want to drink. That's what it seems like. So let's go through album by album. So Curb ends with I Don't Have, which has one of the only memorable guitar riffs to me. Um, and Chad's best Eddie Vedder kind of screams and vocal runs. Um, it has the stop, has kind of vocal fade out and some like hiss. So to me, it does signal an ending. It's not as effective, but at least we know we've finished the album because that's what I was getting halfway through. Was like, I'd listen to these in the car driving around. I'm not seeing any of the track listing or looking or anything. And I'm like, okay, is this is this a new one now? Is this a? I have no idea. It started to really blur. Um, the state ends with an acoustic version of Leader of Men, and I was trying to figure out if that was like an exclusive bonus track. But I actually think across the board that was the last song, which is an obvious end, but I always just, that's never satisfying to me when I've seen that on albums. Um, the track before, Hold Out Your Hand, kind of passes you by and just kind of plays out. It's a very album, mid-album track. So didn't seem to be written with the last song in mind, which they never ever seem to do. Um, you agree with me so far, Mez? Yeah. And then we get Silver Side Up. So that ends with Good Times Gone. Now, finally, we get an actual ending for a song, for an album. I think this song is is brilliant. I think it's an anomaly in their in their discography. You never really hear this sound ever again. This kind of like dark um country-esque um kind of playing nice slide guitar. There's really, really like fast finger picking at the end where I was like, oh wow, that sounds who's very hard to play. That? Yeah, who's playing that? Is it Sean Krongman? Um <laughs> But I, oh, I just, I really, really love that song. I think that's great. I, I just, 
to end on that, especially the fact that it's different from the rest of the album, not too distant that it's, that it's disconnected that we'll get into later, but the gradual slowdown and tempo, you know, the lovely strum of dream G major for the fade out. Like I think that's, I think it's great. I really think it's great. And I really wish they would have carried on with experimenting with this, which you only really get in the betrayal on feed the machine, which is 16 years later. Um, and for me, Silver Side Up is their best album. I'm going to lead with that. We can talk about that at the end, but for me, that's their best album through and through. They don't, I don't think they ever improved upon that. Uh, for The Long Road 2003, we get See You at the Show, which works. But because we get the previous song ending exactly the same, it makes both of the late album tracks kind of hard to remember, hard to differentiate. Um, All the Right Reasons has Rockstar. Now, rule number one, Mez, never finish your album with a huge, huge, huge single. Now, obviously, when you're writing the album, you don't know there's going to be a single, but this sounds like a single. So even if you're going to put it out, you don't know if it's going to do very well. Do not put it at the end of your album. Put it at track two. This, if this was track two, nothing's stopping that. But for me, what happens when you do this, it just separates it from the body of work. And then I can never associate it with that album because someone's going to go, Rockstar's good. I'm like, oh, what album is it from? I'll probably have to think about it. Do you know, to me, it screams, it's the same deal. I know you can skip songs, but it's the same deal as when you go and see um, Europe. And the last song they play is the final countdown. And everyone stayed at the show to hear that tune. Or it's like going to see a journey and waiting for Don't Stop Believing. It's going to be somewhere near the end. You know? So that's what that screams to me. Oh, they'll listen to it all because they've been told there's a great tune on here. It's just, it's lazy. It's almost insulting in a way, because it's just like, you have to listen to all of this now. And yeah, I agree with you. It does separate from the body of work, because you're like, I must have missed that. Um, And most people, could be wrong, but most people, to my knowledge, don't listen to a whole album on first listening of purchase of CD, etc., etc. I do, you do, but not everyone does. So that's another thing. You know, and, and that's how you get things like hidden gems. But I don't know, do your thing, whatever, but I agree with you. Exactly, exactly. I think it would have made it a stronger album if the it yeah. just it just goes to the fact of they just really don't know how to end it. They either have songs that don't work or they just whoever's choosing the running order just it just makes no sense. Even from a commercial standpoint, you know, casual listeners are gonna want to listen to the first first half at the most. So put Rockstar in the first half, you know. For Dark Horse, again, we just mentioned this. We get the Rockstar ripoff this afternoon, which features our first fade-out ender. Definitely a better choice than Rockstar, but as where Good Times Gone worked because of its slowed ending and musical style, kind of being more linked to the rest of that album, this modern country-style song about drinking has to follow up a top-20 single, which again makes no sense. So that they got a big single as the penultimate song, um, it just pushes this afternoon into the tag song on the end again. But I think it works better than Rockstar. Here and Now chose Don't Ever Let It End, which sounds like a single. So again, they've even got album tracks which sound like singles. Um, 
they should have chosen everything I want to do. The problem with this album is that every song has a single feel to it. So really kind of picking the best of what you've got. And no fixed address falls into the same problem. Um, we get Sister Sin, which is the bluesiest they've ever sounded. It's like an acoustic riff, which um, it's kind of like Black Keys, really. I'd, they kind of must have heard Black Keys because they were very popular at that time, uh, more established. And it was like, I found it tricky to play on the guitar. I think it's in the open position but it's the fact that they got like you got like skip a string to get this open g string um bit tricky first probably one of the only times i actually found it hard to play a nickelback song this is discounting any of the, the fast riffs which aren't really fast but like to my i was like give me a couple of minutes i'll be fine with them because no no nickelback songs are hard to play no rhythm wise none to play some of the solo stuff probably and we're going to get the solo, you know, guitar solos in a minute. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't sound like a single, Sister Sim. Um, but it is a breath of fresh air. But I don't know. Yeah, it kind of separates for a bit. Feed the Machine has an instrumental, the Betrayal Act 1, which actually gives us interesting chord changes for the first time since their debut. It's like Stairway to Heaven, Fluff, and Oh Well Part 2 got into a hotel room and went, let's make this a night to remember. And I like hearing it. For someone who's never heard those three songs before, I'm applauding the fact that Nickelback have taken, to me, I guess they've taken those influences, unless it's purely by chance. And younger fans and people who have never listened to these songs have gone, that's really, really good. I like that lineage so you can actually hear influence from someone else other than the grunge rock artists. Um, <clears throat> and there's some risks. It's nice to hear some risks. Um, but it fails as an album ender. He has the single sounding song that's not a single every time we're together before it. They should have put the Betrayal Act 3 to end instead and then use Act 1 as an interlude halfway through. Uh, a precursor to what we kind of hear. It's like a simple solution, but when you're in it, you never you never see the easy solution, do you? Um, so yeah, what do you think about that? And I think really Silver Side Up is the only time they've ended an album well. What are your thoughts? I agree with you up to a point. Um, I think, yeah, everything you said just makes sense. It's definitely, uh, it's correlating with what I heard. Absolutely. Um, all I think about Marv, and there are millions of examples, but this one comes to mind. Now, it's a bit unfair that I make this comparison because they are universes apart. But do you remember how the ending of the album Sabbath Bloody Sabbath was? Spiral Architect, right? Yes. A banger. And it is the end of the album. There's uh, a string rise. And then there's like a bit more with the band to a fade out with a crowd in the background. It is an excellent finish to an excellent album. I'm getting not even a fraction of this from most of Nickelback's back catalogue. Now, I know they're not trying to be Black Sabbath. Um, they're already, there's already a whole genre called Doom Metal trying to be Black Sabbath. And yeah, I quite agree with you. I don't know about um, Silver Side Up being the best album. Good Times Gone is a banger. I will completely agree with you there. And yeah, I wish they had experimented more with that. Um, yeah, I just, 
Again, the issue I have, and this is the main issue, I'm not remembering enough of the back of their albums to give you a 100% completely bias-free opinion. But yeah, I agree with you for the fact that I can't remember it being like, that's done. Here's the next body of work. For that reason, I know you're correct. I know that for a fact. I did exactly the same thing. I listened to everything. And I just, it's not drawing on me, you know? So, yeah, I agree with you. Good time's gone. Great. Rest of it, where where is it? Where is where's the definitive ending? Where, oh, yeah. is the, where is the graffiti upon the toilet of my ears that said Nickelback was here? Where is it? It ain't there. I've never heard anyone use that analogy before. That is that is a Mez original there. The graffiti is, you... in my ears that says Nickelback was here. That is... How have you come up with that, mate? You heard it here first, folks. It's, it's the inner workings of my hmm. brain. Sometimes it'll give me nothing. Sometimes from some dusty corner, <laughs> it'll shoot out a classic like that. He's not I, wrong. Nah, it's got to happen, mate. It's got to happen. Once it's once it starts, once I start the sentence, I've got to get it out there. I've got things to say, but people won't listen. Exactly. So That's, an office quote. Listen. That's an office quote. That is true. We haven't been doing a lot of office quotes recently. Nope. I think. Who knows? Um, yeah, this point, point five, I believe. Um, this is a big one for me. This was the breakthrough. When I when I finally started realizing this, I was like, this makes a lot of sense now. Chad loves to do the Piccadilly third, major third trick a lot. Now, <clears throat> I'm specifically thinking about the second and third choruses of How You Remind Me. Are you having fun yet? When he says the word yet. So it's but it's turning up into that major third. Now, for the for the non-musical listeners, um, a piccadilly third is when you're in a minor key, and when you let's say we're in B minor, we play our chord progression. But when we want to go back to the start, what we've done is instead of landing on B minor, we've gone to B major. Whether that's in the guitars or the instruments, or whether it's in the melody singing over the top. So that's a piccadilly third. He also does this in songs that are maybe major key or that don't do a Piccadilly third, for example. Um, so they might be in like, say, the Mixolydian scale where he it's acceptable to do that. But he might mess around with playing the mic, singing the minor note to the major note. So he's going back and forth. He's making these choices. But for now, I'm just going to say the major third. Let me give you a rundown of every single song. That uses the major third. Now, I'm not going to say the names of them all, but I'm going to tell you how many songs on each album do it. And this makes perfect sense. And I was like, this is why. So much like, you know, a policeman saves lives, fireman saves lives, doctor saves lives. I'm saving the lives of the listeners needing to go through all of these songs when really you just need, you just need to hear how you remind me for the major third trick that at its best. So, Curb. Out of the 12 songs, we've got seven that do the major third trick. That is over half. What's that as a percentage? That's a landslide. The State, out of 11 songs, we have seven. So that's even more. That includes Leader of Men, um, 
which you hear in the verses. You know, it goes E major to G to D to E major. So again, music theory, that should be E minor based on all those chords to make it sound right in the key. But he does this trick a lot. So we've already heard 14 out of the 23 tracks do this trick. That becomes them. This is what happens. Like the ballads, it becomes their sound. So when they start stripping it away, you go, oh, okay, what, what are Nickelback? Silver Side Up. Out of the 10 songs, we have six. That is 60% of the album is all made to thirds. I will list these. How You Remind Me is the most effective. Woke Up This Morning, Hollywood, Money Bought, Where Do I Hide, Hang Now. They all do the same major third trick in the melody mostly, probably in instruments as well. Here and Now, out of the 11 songs, and All the Right Reasons out of 11 songs, five songs from each do the major third thing. Um, bearing in mind that this is also the fact that if you look at the ballads as well, they take up quite a lot of um, space here, especially in like here and now, all the right reasons, dark horse. So along with all these major third tricks, you've got the ballads coming in. Then you've got the, oh, they only do four types of songs. So this is why it all gets compacted in together. Um, dark horse, we get one. I'd come for you, which is a major key example. Here and now, we have two. No fixed address, we've got one. Feed the machine, we've got one. So for five albums straight, we're getting near enough, 50% and over of the songs that do this kind of technique, this device, right? And then for the last four albums, they have five songs doing it between all of those albums. So it's kind of safe to assume that this part of their sound, this is part of their sound, and the reason they become more formulaic and interchangeable with other artists' songs. The stock progressions start piling up, and the Nickelback sound we started with gets more saturated. So when I started to realize that and go, wow, yeah, all of that early work has a lot of major third in the melody. Then when all the ballads start happening and the stock progressions, the 1564s, the 164, uh, whatever it's called, one, you know what I'm trying to say. The minor one to three to four to six or something like that. You go, wow, they're just losing their sound. They That that was their sound. That's why I guess they were catchy or something like that. The How You Remind Me curse. And you couldn't change their, their later songs, I'd say from 2014 onwards, maybe even 2011, with any of those kind of acts around them. Do, do, do you agree, Merritt? Do you, do, did you ever make that connection till now? Um. The connection, not necessarily. Uh, actually, what am I on about? Of course. Yes, I did. Um, I knew the major third thing was prominent. I knew it was prominent because I put that down to why I wasn't remembering anything. Because what's the first thing you hear? The vocals. What's the thing your ears focuses on? The easiest thing to hear being the vocals. The most prominent thing. The cut through in the mix. And it's all too similar. And this happens with guitar. It's all too similar. And that is why we can't remember any of it. Um, yeah, no, I do agree with you. That It's just a big globule at this point. It's a big, vast ball floating at Nickelback HQ. Um, <laughs> and that's, I'm 100% sure... <clears throat> That's why they can shoot out these albums of like 40 minutes, 11, 12 songs. See, even in that, 40 minutes, 
That is not committal. Not at all. Not in the slightest. There is not a lot of content there. There is, but there isn't, is there, really, when you think about it? And I mean, I, I could I could argue ag- against that in that, you know, having done two albums myself that are about 40, 45 minutes worth of work, that are probably about, I think they're 12 songs each, both albums, like, that, it, it is a lot of work, putting those songs in, sitting down, crafting them out, different tones, all these things, but like I know you're going to say, which, you know what? I'm going to let you say it rather than finish. I'm not saying that work hasn't gone into these songs. It definitely has. I'm just saying that for the average listener, 40 minutes under an hour for an album, that is very non-committal. Sorry, I should have made that clear. Um, The work gone into these albums is there. I, I would never contest that. They are working musicians. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I suppose you kind of got that from my comment about the big ball of all of this vagueness in the, in the Nickelback HQ. Um, no, I, they work, you know, they're working musicians. Absolutely. Uh, not to discredit them in that part of their work, but it's just, um, I've heard it now, you know, I've heard it and yeah, great. Do something else. And, yeah, the major third thing it is so rife, so rife, and it's everywhere. But I did not realize that for the first, like, four albums, it's on more than half of the songs. That is just putrefaction at this point. Like, oh, man, it's like, like, like I said, it's like I've been eating chips all week, and now I want some salt and vinegar with those chips. Um, yeah, and yeah, the, and then yeah. but then what you get there is is with this major third in the melody or in the in the instruments or the music. Think a bit. Think I think of it maybe to add on to your metaphor. The, the first four albums are having chips, and you've got like some sachets of salt, so you do have a flavor yeah. that's different from plain chips. But you do get bored of it, and then what happens is someone takes the salt packets away. Oh, sorry, love. We can't get him. You just got chips. That all right? No, um, you're not. Get that fucking cooker on. <laughs> if you there. know, if you know, you know. Marcus Rudd, he knows. He no, knows. but I, I, I know exactly what you mean. It becomes the chips after they've removed it. I think it just gets even more plain. Yeah, yeah, it does, and I don't know. It's kind of a fluctuation. But it's never like a, a a sort of midpoint when they're first releasing and then it sort of goes up and then it sort of goes down and up and down. It just seems to be a straight, straight up. Like, you know what I mean? There's, uh, yeah, even even some of the songs. So She Keeps Me Up, I had to watch the video for that because you can't, if you're going to get kicked in the bollocks, make sure it's both of the bollocks rather than just one. Because then you're even. So it's not just my ears that are having to deal with this. It's also visuals. <laughs> um, and all of the comments, all of them are expressing how much they love Nickelback. Oh, it's just, oh, like, I mean, fair enough. Like, if you like it, you like it. Again, like, we, like you say a lot, and like I said, like, music is subjective. 
if that is something that pleases you, brings you fun, especially now in COVID times where stuff's rubbish. We might be having another, you know, our lockdown plan out of it might not be happening fully. You know, people are dying all the time. There you go. But if that purely, if that brings you joy, fair enough. Absolutely. Go and listen to it. Do not take my opinion as gospel because I am one person. I have one opinion. Also, I have not released any albums yet. So I am at this moment in time, I am uh, not really any sort of point or God stop worshipping me. I've had enough of it. I've heard (laughs) it all. Just sick of it. Uh, (laughs) No. Go and listen to it. Go and enjoy it. Because I had that. In fact, I've had that several times. I'm really enjoying a piece of music. Someone goes, ah, yeah, it's crap, isn't it? Or even worse than that, because you can argue with that, even worse than that is, that's all right, isn't it? The the non-shared passion. Oh, my God, no. It's like (laughs) your mum being angry versus your mum being disappointed. Do you know what I mean? Woo-wee. It's that it is that point. But but yeah, please don't please don't allow if you've been affected by any of the subjects uh that we brought up on the podcast recently, please subscribe to our Patreon and we will tell you how to get out of those issues. Exactly. Three pounds a month, you get the episode uncut a day early, now with video. You get little extra bits like us talking about gear and whatnot. We'll help you through this. But she keeps me up sucks. Oh, it's it not, sucks it's so great. bad. It just moves like Jag, and they've gone, that was successful, and their record label's gone, you know what, lads? Right, Because we're from Birmingham, or Leeds, or Bolton. Right? <laughs> Chad, come over here, right? I know you got your fight with Merit soon, but just that's a good song, isn't it? You might want to write one of them. And they've gone, yeah, we don't want to. And they've gone, well, record contract, go bye-bye then, bye-bye. And they've gone, <laughs> no, don't do that, because now he's from Bolton, or Leeds, or Birmingham. And they've just... The same chords, two chords in the same key. It is exactly the same. The video sucks. It is, weirdly enough, it was like they went, okay, we've been memed by accident. Let's almost meme ourselves. But then no one memed it. So it just comes across as middle-aged men talking about funky little monkey. She's a twisted sister. Coca-Cola roller coaster. It's a song about cocaine, Mark. Nah, really? Yeah. Oh man, they they do drugs. Yeah, See, and oh. they have sex and fight people. Oh no, and they drink as well. And I reckon so. You know, oh, they are they are crazy. But yeah, no Fuck wonder he's little... the rock star. Yeah, <laughs> Go on, sing it, sing it. it. Oh, should we move on to my last and final point about the things they get wrong? Yeah, go on, my bummers. <sighs> Mine doesn't, because I've got a pillow. The lack, the lack of guitar solos. There is oh, a huge gaping oh, hole of guitar solos. Oh, oh, yes. For a band that incorporates metal riffs into their music and is heavy sounding, the lack of guitar solos astound me. Now, if we look at a band like Foo Fighters, who are like, to me, in a similar ballpark to Nickelback, they're post-grunge, riff-based, alternative rock, drop-D playing. We do get solos. Um, They certainly came later in their career. 
Um, we did have them early on, later in their career. For me, I'm going to say from um, Echo, Silence, Patience, and Grace onwards to now. Um, so they kind of shifted to more like a traditional rock sound, Long Road to Ruin, most of Wasting Light onwards. Um, and Chris Schiffler, what a guitar player. What a guitar player. Incredible. And he shines in those moments. They've crafted out songs that have these as a spotlight. And I remember Long Road to Ruin being the first main, first true guitar solo that Chris Schifflet had done, which was memorable, which sounded really hard, but it sounded great to the song. It was really country-esque of his playing, which is him. He had his identity all over it. And he's just got better and better and better. And, you know, look at songs like Rope, um, Something from Nothing, like... It's all there. He's amazingly good. I think the Ryan guy, that's how I'm going to refer him to, the Ryan guy, the lead guitar player of Nickelback, I think he's great as well. The things we do get, you know, short kind of like statements or fast flurries of kind of pentatonic noodling, they're impressive. They play very well. They play with feel. You can tell he's a very, very good guitar player. Maybe live, they extend these solos out. I don't know. I'd love to hear more from him. Merritt's shaking his head saying no, so that says a lot. They don't extend these solos. One thing I would like to say, quite simply, um, every solo does not need wah. It's not always needed. In fact, I'd say, unless you're Kirk Hammett, who's earned that right, you, you, you don't need it everywhere. It's not necessary. Stop it. Get some help. <laughs> You're correct. You're correct. And I think to categorize these solos would be like listening to Load and Reload by Metallica. That is the yeah. ballpark they're in. But, Nail on the head. Nail but on the head. Yeah. Metal songs deserve solos. And we don't get them. We don't really right. get them. Do you know the best solo that they've ever done? See, the only one that I can draw from memory is Burn It to the Ground. But that is shrouded in wah. So you can't really... All you can hear is... That is all you get. Exactly. The best one they've ever had is For the River. And do you know who plays that guitar solo, Mez? Is it Chod Krangan? I wish it was Chod Krangan. It's actually Nuno Betancourt from Extreme. So the best guitar solo in a whole Nickelback discography has to be from a guest guitar player who's undoubtedly very, 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 very good. Oh, my God. And that's God. the most memorable. And he's probably turned up and gone, I'll play this. That's all good. It's amazing. It's very, very, very fast. Very, very good. Um, that says a lot to me. That says a lot. Especially, I think, for the Rither is um, that's late on their career. That's on Feed the Machine. So we've waited 21 years for a, a good what I would call nourishing guitar players, guitar solo, where you go, I want to learn that. I like the fact that there is little choppy bits here and there. There is little, like, bits of flash. But it's almost like, I don't know, like, obviously, as you said, the lead guitarist can play. He's he's a good guitarist, you know. No one in the band is incapable. But it's almost like there's a bit of suppression there. Almost like a bit of a, whoa, boy, you're not putting that arpeggio in there, son. And... I, I completely agree. I, 
I, yeah. If I was to make a logical guess, that's what it would be. It was like Chad's written all the songs and they've gone, right, okay, this bit, this bit, this bit. And then he's gone to make the lead singer, lead singer, the guitarist Ryan's kind of started to play something fast or gone, let's do a solo. And they've all gone, mm, nah, because it will get cut in the radio edit and, you know, we need to be concise and whatnot. That's what it reads yeah. to me, which Metallica, if you look at Metallica, Kirk Hammett relationship, where he was kind of almost being shown what to play, he'd play exactly what. Hetfield would even play on demos at some points. So maybe we're not even getting the full Kirk Hammett experience, but definitely on later albums where he's just turned up and played and improvised and he's he definitely let his time to shine. I just feel like Nickelback have never had that. Now, it's fine not to be a solos band. To have guitar solos, fine, fair enough. They're very outdated. They only spe- You only specifically sparsely use them or if you're in a certain genre, I don't know. But for a band that do play metal sounding songs, very heavy hard rock songs that, you know, just to give that extra little push, that's what it would do. That's what it would do. Just having a big beastly guitar solo. And the Noon and Better Court one for the river does that. So maybe next album they can do that. You know what I'm saying? Maybe. It's been four years. We're still waiting. There you go. Right. That is all my reasons all the problems I've encountered. Mez, were there any that you encountered while listening before I get into the things they did well? So, I have a review that I have written. A bit of a review, and I feel like now's a good time to to pop it in. Nice. Okay, there are there are a few points I've already made, but I will just <clears throat> just go ahead and make them anyway. So, a band that have over 4 billion plays streams should stand for something right supposedly i guess this band is pure definition for the phrase popularity doesn't equal quality now it's super easy to hate on something that's so popular without any reason whatsoever but after listening to more or less all of their back catalog i can say with confidence they aren't just hated because it's cool From album one up to their latest release, it feels like the same song in different formats and arrangements. There are some good songs hidden in there, but mostly it's the same tune over and over again. The lyrics are usually, we've discussed the lyrics anyway. Uh, I have heard the same chord progression so many times that it's not not even done to hide the fact they've done it. Weirdly, it's blatant and obvious, which we've kind of respected them for, so you know. The production is very listener-friendly, but the guitar tones are not for me. They're just not clear enough. Also, they love the phase effect. Um, So far, I've only not heard it on bass. And that is true. I don't know how many times they've done it. I really should have listed, listed it. But there was a vocal phase effect, a guitar phase effect, a drum phase effect. Bass is the only one I haven't heard it on yet. Okay. I'm waiting for that, Nickelback. You've got to fill that quota, kid. Overall, I think yeah. Nickelback can write good songs. I actually think what they should do is write more songs with better and more memorable hooks without using the major third shag. I'm looking at you, kid. <laughs> and scrap the rest. So when you write an album, you write a number of songs and then you decide what's going on it. And you keep the rest for a rainy day or something. I think they should write double the amount 
really be critical, and then I think they'd have an album worthy of my ears. Um, yeah, the lyrics again. I really am not a fan of the lyrics, but I still enjoyed some moments. Also, Hero by Chad Kroger, banger. Now, this is something Sam Walton, the aforementioned Sam Walton, said. That he was like, I don't know if you're going to talk about this song, but you should. And I played it, and I was like, okay, okay, okay. Yes, very, very memorable, catchy song that works, yeah. uses the formulas that they've used, especially acoustic guitar songs. Um, has the kind of interesting, when it goes into the verses, it goes to that G-sharp minor, I think. And that's really catchy it's like a chord that you go oh that yeah. wasn't what i was expecting but they only that's only twice they've ever done that and really really catchy uh has the, op- the acoustic juice really really well like yeah i can really appreciate that song what amazes me is this was done for a film mm. this wasn't even like i mean obviously he was releasing it but that wasn't the primary thought he wrote that for the film so maybe that's another thing. Write me a soundtrack, Chad. Let's see what that's like, kid. Do it before I beat you up, though, because you won't really want to do it after that, I don't think. All of that album would just be about how he's been beaten up by you. I am the last contestant. <laughs> so this is what I think they do well. They can write radio hits all day in their sleep they have kept up their popularity and relevance since 2001 a hard feat that only a few bands around that 2000 era managed to survive from i think that's true they still sell as a rock band they still pack out stadiums as a rock band based on the one instrumental i've heard they can pull them off effectively and my sixth point is that high remind me is a pop masterpiece how you remind me is fantastic it is brilliant and as you said they can clearly do that so why haven't they i i I want to hear more of that as well because even thinking of that song now i'm like i want to go listen to it i want to go and listen to how you remind me it's a great tune and also you look so much better back then grow your hair again chad (laughs) it's not a good look mate i'll tell you what i'll pull it out of your head during the fight um no it's how you remind me it that is that is a benchmark that is um how do i write a successful pop song there it is That's and it came out it. of nowhere you look at yeah. their first two albums you're like leader of members the only one that could have been considered a catchy song and then yeah. how you remind me just comes out of nowhere yeah and that and, and i think that's the reason why they're so big that was the end of my experiment really you know we both listened to all their songs and what a journey. What a journey. Um, am I going to continue listening to Nickelback? No. Not in the slightest. I've done it. I've tasted it. Okay, fair enough. I don't hate them anymore. I have now have listened to them so I understand what they are, what, how much they reach. Um, to be honest, I just want to get my musical nourishment from the bands that they take influence from. That's all that it makes me want to do. Um, I would only want to really listen to Silver Side Up as a full album if I had to pick a full album to listen to. Um, but again, I have appreciation for how you remind me. Um, 
but things that I would want to hear, maybe if I was to like, you know, be the typical football fan that tries to tell the manager what to do. Now, if I had choices into what I want Nickelback to be for me, these would be the five ones. Lyrics that go deeper and more inward into maybe Chad's life. That would be quite cool. Guitar solos that are big and are a main feature of the song. Now, this would hook me in. If I heard that, I'm listening to that song at least. I'm giving it a time of day. An album of just their metal hard rock stuff, which I thought Feed the Machine was. If I had a whole album of that, I think I would maybe listen to it. Swapping the acoustic ballads with like the moody acoustic songs. So like Good Times Gone. Take the ballads out. You've done them. You've done them. They're dated. Don't bother going back to them. Go a bit more kind of gritty. And the last one would be more risk-taking experimentation that to me started on Feed the Machine. I am going to listen to How You Remind Me and I want to hear more of How You Remind Me. Mm. And that's pretty much all I've got to say about it. Um, I want more utilization of riffs um, because there are some good riffs in there. They, they happen. They are there. Yeah. They just don't appear to be like, for example, something in your mouth, uh, funnily enough, leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's like a chorus and then a bridge, and then before the last chorus, there's a stop, there's a snare hit, and then there's a riff that's like, and then it just into the chorus. That's the one time we hear that riff. And I was like, this is, this is all right, this riff, this is great. I want to hear more of it. I think they're a little more diverse than I guess the public perception is, but not really as much. I would say more on the metal sounding side, hard riff sounding side, but I certainly don't hate them. I certainly, if someone says this now, I'm not just going to agree with them. I'd definitely be like, well, you know, maybe this these songs, yeah, I get that. But I think I definitely wouldn't be harsh towards them. I'd include them in conversations and... Definitely going forward, that's what I'm going to do. But I'm not going to listen to Nickelback. Nah, I'm all good. I'm all good. So I did a top five and top five, top five Nickelback tunes I liked and my worst top five. So <clears throat> my top five Nickelback tunes are in no order, but number one is how you remind me. Woke up this morning, good times gone, feed the machine and the betrayal act one. They're my top five. Mez, you got any top favorites or is it just how you remind me? How you remind me like that? And My top five worst. Oh, go on. And we're gonna we're gonna add burn it to the ground for old time's sake. And I'm gonna have to say it because I already have this afternoon. I do like that tune. I shouldn't, but I do. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I thought I wrote five for this, but this one says five. But I probably could put in another one. So my top five worst. What are you waiting for? She keeps me up. Miss you. Got me running round, which is interesting that they're off the same album. No fixed address. Um, and I'm probably going to put Rockstar because I just simply cannot stand it. The second I got to hear that G chord come in and his voice with those lyrics, I'm just like, I'm through with. Oh, oh, just, oh, just, I can't. I can't. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're probably going to do these types of podcasts maybe every two or three. Um, that was definitely fun for me and i think it just kind of gives you another kind of tangent and another angle look at things um we're gonna figure out what band merit hates as much as i did nickelback so we'll go around that we'll definitely 
announce that maybe do some more polls maybe be more active on social media we haven't been as active as we want to be sign up on our patreon everyone's talking everyone's raving commenting it's all great to see great to hear um i really got much more to say than that nickelback um i just don't know don't know mate merit go beat him up one more thing mate